Make It Right, the manufacturing podcast. Will COVID-19 have a lasting impact on globalization? That's the title of a recent article in the Harvard Business Review by author Stephen A. Altman, who concluded that COVID-19 looks like a bend-but-won't-break crisis for globalization. Welcome to the Make It Right podcast. I'm Janet Eastman, and this week, I welcome back supply chain expert and senior advisor, Filippo Mowry, who first appeared on Make It Right in our very first year in episodes 21 and 22. Filippo is based in Switzerland. He's currently working with a consumer goods manufacturer in Paris, and he's bringing a European perspective to the impact of uh, COVID-19 on Make It Right. So, Filippo, it is really terrific to speak to you again. How are you? Thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much. And uh, excited to, to speak to you again. And uh, good afternoon. We've spoken with a lot of American companies and Canadian companies over the last number of months since COVID-19 happened, but we haven't really spoken to anybody over in Europe. So I'm really anxious to hear what your perspective is. So what key changes have taken place that have really been interesting to you since this pandemic started and as it's evolved? I've heard several comments actually saying that uh, COVID has been an accelerator of uh, pre-existing processes. And this is actually what, uh, what, uh, what we're really experiencing in different, uh, in different domains. So uh, let's say that uh, we, we were experiencing already a strong growth, for instance, of e-commerce, uh, um, uh, a development of the uh, proximity, uh, let's say, supply chain, shorter supply chain, more complex, uh, more, uh, let's say, fast. Um, but actually, COVID-19 crisis has accelerated all of this and actually uh, accelerated the transformation and uh, kicked us a little bit into the future. And uh, that is uh, the most striking factor is that uh, actually, apart uh, the very initial phase, um, all the system actually sustained this uh, very big challenge and uh, and actually found a different balance and uh, start over again so it's uh, it's really impressive um, I think that you know if I have to uh, to to list the key key things that actually um, surprised me is really first the, the truly the quick adaptation okay of uh, of our let's say a way of living and a way of making business okay thanks to technology of course because i don't know no but maybe if everything had happened 10 years ago maybe it wouldn't have been so easy but um, in a couple of uh, weeks uh, let's say that uh, a lot of processes a lot of uh, let's say interactions actually transformed and most of the people actually adapted incredibly rapidly um, then you add all the another acceleration of uh, processes that the ethical dimension so let's say the solidarity the let's say business ethic uh, i would say dividends or let's say that that actually uh, the image of the company actually delivers has, has grown very rapidly so we we had already in the company's uh, perception you don't have you, was a while that you didn't have for instance only a financial dimension or a business dimension but also you had a, a social responsibility dimension well 
actually COVID accelerated also uh, all of this and uh, the solidarity, the, the business responsibility, the social responsibility actually took a very prominent role in companies uh, actually struggling for a very difficult uh, environment. So that was really surprising and, uh, and, uh, and uh, as well, you know, you had this, this sort of a global proximity Okay, uh, what seems so far away, like for instance, China at the very beginning, okay, it's something that happens in China is not for us. But then little by little, the countries actually got together dramatically, unfortunately, uh, into the same, let's say, bucket. And, uh, and so people actually started uh, sharing uh, issues and pain. And, um, and actually, I think that this is going to help also to the mutual understanding. So, and in and in end, I think that the biggest takeaway for me is that uh, at the end, even if with such a huge and difficult period, uh, we demonstrated that we actually can survive, can be resilient, and can keep going even if in a different, completely situation. So, is a, is a, oh no, this is a, a little bit of note of optimism at the end, <laughs> but I think. <laughs> but do you, do, you, do you think that this pandemic is a game changer in the way that we live and work and do business? Or do you think that this is a blip and for the most part, business will kind of trickle back to the way they had originally operated and we're going to go back to kind of how we used to operate uh, Pre-COVID nineteen. I mean, what do you mm. think? Ah, is, uh, that that is uh, you know that is very difficult to say. But uh, what what we see is that of course there is a there is a strong need of normality. Okay, go no, uh, going back to what is the let's say business as usual. But everybody is very uh, conscious that there is no uh, business as usual anymore. Mm -hmm. It's going to be for a while very difficult okay and uh, you know it will require adaptation um i believe that uh, maybe 50 percent of uh, of our previous pre-pandemic life will come back probably more okay but still uh, we will have in front of our eyes that uh, we try to work from home and it's working actually um we we actually try actually learned that uh, certain things that uh, that were uh, unconceivable let's say uh, actually took place and uh, well i'm not 120 years old <laughs> but uh, i've seen uh, i've seen uh, already a number of times where things that uh, uh, that you may not have expected to happen actually happened and uh like for instance the, the crisis in the early 2000 or whatever and this is something really impressive and we saw the border closed for instance for the mm -hmm. first time in uh, of course in my life uh, but uh, it, it is not a good looking picture okay with the army at the borders of course for different reasons but uh, that, that is that is uh, an element of vulnerability of course of the way we make business we have been living in a world that is uh, actually getting that is uh, that is working on a free trade let's say with a worldwide organization uh, that you know 
big big uh, space uh, trade space where actually you could make business and suddenly we we saw in front of our eyes that all this uh, uh, big big uh, uh, consolidated picture actually can fragment immediately in thousands of pieces and uh, and to me um, that is that is the the big heads up and uh, we better uh, remember that because uh, uh, we will have to work in a globally connected world for the reasons that I told you before about the, the need of interchange but also we have a world that suddenly can fragment and become very, very unique and uh, very, let's say, locally driven and, uh, and with a huge complexity and specificities and uh, the rule, different rules that apply. And, uh, and also what you see is that this is happening not only for wider or international organization, but also within the countries. Mm -hmm. uh, what you can see, for instance, the, the movement of people within the countries, one of the, let's say, of the basic principles that keep a country together to, to, to define a country, let's say. And uh, we have seen this not happening anymore. So what is, uh, what is the future? Probably the future is going to be more affected by global uh, uh, impacts. But on the other hand, is going to be uh, sized uh, on the uh, let's say at atomic uh, atomic uh, size uh, in uh, locally in locally uh, in uh, locally specific businesses. So uh, a new a new life probably from the proximity bakery uh, at the end of the street and uh, maybe a different way of managing e-commerce and managing supply chains for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm interested in supply chains because, you know, um, for a while there, there were manufacturers who were still operating, but they couldn't get supplies from certain parts of the world. Things were getting held up, etc. How do you think the supply chain is going to look now based on the lessons that we've learned that so suddenly everything can be shut down? And yet you still want to be operating your business and you need to be operating your business. And maybe some of your, the things that you make are critical to, you know, everybody. So what's going to happen to supply chains? Are we going to have more suppliers that we go to um, in various different locations? What What's the picture look like? Well, uh, I believe that, you know, the... Um, Clearly, as, as we said, I mean, COVID is an accelerator of things that we were already thinking uh, before mm -hmm. the pandemic. And uh, for sure, the, all the themes of uh, uh, business preparedness okay, or uh, business continuity are uh, actually key elements, let's say, to, uh, to, to build uh, the supply chain on. So those concepts are not something that, and, and it's clear that it's not, it is demonstrated by this crisis and many other before um, that uh, uh, disruptive events uh, are not something that happens once in a lifetime because we have a sort of proliferation. So what happens is that we are likely to see other disruptive events, God forbid, but we know that it's highly probable that something that we have never thought about is going to come back. And I suggest a book that is called The Black Swan about that. Um, but the, so I believe that, you know, the handling the uh, unforecastable. So 
pushing the supply chains to the maximum agility possible. I think this is going to be not only, a, let's say, an aspirational goal, now it's becoming an imperative, okay? So um, clearly technology is, gonna, is going to help, absolutely. Uh, but on the other hand, what we're going to have is that uh, there is the physical world, so the, the fact of transporting physically uh, the goods that is going to be uh, challenging. So probably proximity, uh, proximity stocks, those are, those are going to be uh, something that we, we may want to, to consider. Long uh, supply chains are probably too vulnerable to the uh, to the to this kind of uh, unexpected events, so probably the future is a modular, uh, uh, for instance, modular factories, uh, uh, smaller scale, easily movable from one place to another, and uh, uh, and uh, and actually, uh, let's say, generating a diffused supply chain. And uh, a little bit like internet works, okay? Uh, so, uh, and this is the power of internet is that if you cut some, uh, some of the, the connections, actually internet uh, finds another way to transport the information. And this is how the supply chain should work. I would uh, also push a little bit uh, a concept that I've seen in a, in a, in a meeting a couple of years ago about the internet of the supply chain. So for instance, sharing, sharing transportation mode or sharing, let's say, modular and standardized transportation may help, let's say, in case of disruption to actually use different channels and, and route, route, the uh, the goods uh, on alternative uh, on alternative paths i mean this is uh, this is something uh, that uh, that is going to happen together as uh, the uh, local uh, availability of goods which becomes i mean you know i i live in switzerland and actually i you know it's a very expensive country so in general, you tend not to buy your groceries in Switzerland. If you have the opportunity to go uh, abroad, you go to France or Germany, I'm based in Basel. Uh, well, during this period, I had to, make, to I, I had to know the local products. I had to go to the local, uh, uh, to the local supermarkets and uh, actually know more what is going on. So uh, this, beyond the economical factor, uh, this obliges you to have a shorter supply chain and a prominently uh, a multiple source locally based of the goods. Mm -hmm. And what about just-in-time delivery? Is that going to be off the books? Are people going to be stockpiling stuff now? What do you think? <laughs> now, stockpiling is, um, is something that, that is going to be uh, probably not the right thing to do because uh, uh, the... Uh, because of the, we cannot, uh, it's, it's going to be very, very difficult to anticipate the needs, okay? Mm -hmm. So okay. Uh, if, you, if you see, for instance, how the, all the forecasts, okay, of the business have been completely jeopardized by uh, changed uh, consumer behaviors during the pandemic, uh, I mean, it, it doesn't really, it doesn't really make uh, sense to stockpile. Uh, however, 
uh, it does make sense to uh, create as much as possible a flexible and agile supply chain. So actually you can restore, you can bounce back as fast as you can. So uh, I believe that uh, impact zero is not what we should in this situation, this, in presence of these uh, disruptive events is not what we should look at. So, uh, but uh, what we need to, to look forward to is to have uh, a supply chain that is capable immediately to bounce back and restore the supply. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I thought it was interesting too, and I hadn't really thought of it, um, but it's true. Suddenly consumer needs changed, didn't they? In a day, yeah. consumer needs absolutely changed. There were some things that were absolutely important. Like, I don't know about where you were in Switzerland, but over here, it seemed there was this crazy mad scramble for things like toilet paper and diapers and things like that. And all yeah. of a sudden, you know, you couldn't find that stuff on the, on the shelves. Consumers went wild. Um, so the consumer plays a huge role in this whole, this whole process. Sure, sure. yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, the consumer, the shopper, um, I would say yes, the consumer and also the shopper, because uh, uh, an online shopper is pretty much different than uh, than an in-store uh, shopper. Okay, I mean uh, certain consumers, okay, uh, that normally are not shoppers because they do not go to the supermarket, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, right now going into with an uh, e-commerce based thing and sitting in front of the computer the whole day, they become shoppers. So suddenly, this is a, this is a completely different perspective, and uh, and uh, I'm sure that you can recall during this period to have bought things that uh, you have never thought of buying in <laughs> all your life, and uh, so so things are changing. Um, but as well, you know, uh, if you think I was uh, clearly I'm in contact with different companies because you know. Uh, been traveling around and i can see that uh, they of course it's a tragic imp uh, impact on the economy but there are a number of companies especially in consumer goods that are uh, actually absorbed let's say the the, the critical uh, the crisis in a very good way because if they were able actually to switch very rapidly uh, their plans okay the production plan to a certain uh, kind of products and uh, and uh, i can tell you for sure uh, you know co for consumer goods people consume even more when you are at home right mm -hmm. so everything that is uh, normal uh, uh, normal purchases for uh, home uh, uh, home products is uh, is a home care or a personal care has actually has, has have not been impacted uh, hugely, but also, you know, if you think about everything that is in the cleansing area, into the cleaners area, into the biocide area, I mean, this has, this crisis has brought us in a different world. So uh, we have been seeing certain categories of products actually declining, but others actually growing and finding a completely new life. Um, this does not mean that uh, you know the bottom line is break even i don't think so but anyway for a number of industries the limitation has been more on how to bring the people safely 
to a factory to produce rather than a drop in demand. And, uh, and uh, I believe that this is the other challenge that, uh, that we need to consider is uh, uh, how to safely manage the workforce, especially in manufacturing. Mm -hmm. So we've all been, lots of people have been working from home. Those who have to be in the factories are getting back into the factories. So how are we going to manage that when everybody gets back to work to do it safely? Yes, absolutely. And um, of course, uh, there are a certain number of, of jobs that are clearly critical. And of course, you have seen uh, uh, fantastic uh, examples of dedication and of sacrifices of people that actually, you know, even in a unknown, uh, uncharted territories uh, of the beginning of the pandemic, actually, they have kept with a big sense of duty, kept doing their job, and they have ensured, in fact, that the, the continuity of the supply chains. Uh, but, but it's true that uh, uh, also on the, other, on the other hand, I mean, we, could, we should not responsibly rely on the heroic, I would say, dedication of people. We need also right now, this is what we can do right now, is actually to start planning, okay, for the next situation to come and saying, well, how do I bring people to work in case something like that happens? How do I uh, create? And to me, I, I come back to the idea of modular small factories in a diffused way. How can I ensure that people can actually perform their job uh, in the easiest way without traveling long distances, without uh, traveling overseas? And, uh, uh, and of course, technology, robotics, and uh, any other uh, new tech opportunity actually is going to help a lot. Mm -hmm. Where do you see company culture in this new picture? If I mean, if we do start to see a lot more people working from home and a lot more activities done over, you know, um, over the internet meetings, etc., where is company culture going to be in this picture? Okay, yeah, that's I, I that is something that uh, to me is uh, is really impressive, and, and you know it struck me a lot. Two things: the first thing is that uh, actually in terms of company uh, company culture, the dimension uh, of the the group spirit, the solidarity, and the pride of. Uh, uh, working for a company that is social, uh, socially responsible and responds to this crisis in a, in a, let's say, in a caring way, uh, I think has become so, so important. And uh, you can see everywhere, you just have to open LinkedIn and uh, you see everyone celebrating this kind of uh, uh, aspects of the of the of the corporate life okay so you see uh, clearly um, declarations uh, videos of people producing hydrocolic gel i mean you have this sense of pride which is very good because this is uh, this is actually creating not only a corporate culture that is around the way we do business but we way do we do spend our lives together for almost one third of the day for everybody. So it's, it's, it's really an interesting uh, perspective. Uh, as well, um, I believe that uh, if we see the new crisis, the one uh, uh, linked to 
to the tragedy of you know black lives matter mm-hmm. i mean you can see that the same kind of uh, emotional involvement actually translated also into 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 that movement so i think those this is something that is going to stay it's going to be a defining moment because this is going to be the way you de- you define the brand of a corporate um, is the the way you actually react as a group to a certain uh, uh, to a certain challenges or to a certain themes that appear in uh, uh, in, in in the day to day activity. So this is this is really changing, and I think this is going to also to have an impact, uh, and and is the result of a changed mindset of a more let's say aware mindset of the of the people. So if you think about the choice, the preference of the worker to is no longer to let's say to to work for somebody but actually to adhere to a certain set of values that actually this uh, this company uh, says he believes in so it's it's that is that is very important that's Filippo Mauri of Imundo Global He's a supply chain expert based in Switzerland, and he'll be my guest again next week. We'll discuss the flattening of organizations with the leveling of the hierarchical playing field, and he'll share his thoughts on the opportunity that the shifting business landscape is bringing to developing countries. I hope you'll join us then. It's an interesting conversation. If you enjoyed this episode of Make It Right, I hope you'll subscribe and share it with your friends and colleagues through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And keep in mind that Make It Right is brought to you by the kind support of Kevin Snook, leadership advisor and author of the best-selling book, Make It Right, Five Steps to Align Your Manufacturing Business from the Front Line to the Bottom Line. Until next time, I'm Janet Eastman. Thanks for listening to Make It Right.